grace to grace. Don't you love that? From grace to grace. Thank you, team, my goodness. What a powerful, powerful anointing on our team today. And thank you, Andrew, for leading us in that communion. Man, what a revelation of the lamb. Even had a revelation of my nan. Amazing. Amazing. How good is the Lord. He's here, isn't he? And for you at home, I hope you can somehow sense the beautiful presence of the Lord right there in your house watching us uh, this morning online and, and even in many nations. It's been a great week here at Imaginations in Sydney. We've had Dan and Reagan with us from Imaginations Church Phoenix. They've just uh, been such a blessing. They did meetings on Thursday and Friday, and this morning they're in Canberra. And they're speaking for Joe and Dave there in Canberra, and it's just been a great week. Just a couple of things. Tonight we have Dr. David Perry, who'll be sharing the word, and I wouldn't miss that if I were you. And just a little preview next Sunday, I'm, I'm going to be teaching, I'm going to continue our theme on courage, but I want to talk about courageous daughters, wives, sisters, and mothers And I want to talk about what does the Bible really say about women in ministry and women in church. Should we tell these girls to be silent? Should we tell them to sit down and be quiet? Should we not allow a woman to teach? What does the scriptures actually say? And I've been working on this word for months. And next Sunday morning, I'm going to be bringing this word. So just a little preview for those who say, I don't think I'm coming next Sunday. Or those who say, I'm definitely coming next Sunday. (laughs) Either way, it's out there. And if you have a mind to, pray for me as I begin to write down now what I've been looking at for months and what I've been wanting to bring to our church in this area. As a matter of fact, would you reach your hand out towards me right now? Heavenly Father, Carol and I could not express in words the honor and privilege of pastoring this precious, precious people. Lord, to be the servant and the servants of this house is an honor that we could never have dreamt would ever be ours, but we're grateful. And Jesus, you said, if you love me, feed my lambs. I love you. Help me to feed the lambs of God, the precious bride of Christ, the wonderful lady, the church. And let our hearts now be open in this place right now of such anointing, of such good soil, with such a presence of God. Let this word go forth and bring life, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. The last three Sundays in a row, I have been talking about how that a fearless church is not afraid to follow Christ, to follow him. And uh, to not just, you know, it's, it's much easier to be a believer than it is to be a follower. Because I can be a believer and still be, you know, unkind to my wife. But I can't be a follower and be unkind to my wife. I can be a believer and have a half-hearted commitment to Christ. But I can't be a follower and have a half-hearted commitment to Christ. So I've been talking about what it means to truly be a follower 
of Jesus. And we've walked through and we've gone to that last supper, uh, Drew, and talked about what happened in that covenant and how that Jesus gave a new commandment in that covenant. uh, And that is that we love as he has loved us. And last week I talked about kind of the, the, the different camps of only if. Lord, I'm in, only if. Lord, I'm here, but only if. Yes, I receive Christ with joy, but only if. And we, we talked about the parable of the seed that falls into the shallow ground. They immediately received the Lord. They received the word, but only if the problems and the persecution are not there. But then there is the other side of that, which is, Lord, even if. I am here, and I am in, and I am all in, even if. Even if. Even if following you is not easy. Even if following you requires me to, that word sacrifice may have to come into play. I'm not here only if. I'm here even if. And so I want to take that thought a little further today because I want to talk about the storms of life. On this planet, you can't go anywhere on this planet where it is storm-free. There are storms in life. And, I, and, and so is my following Jesus only if the skies are blue or even if I find my life in a storm? So I want to talk today about courage in the storms of life. And when it comes to the storms of life, the question is not if, but when. When. When these storms come. And Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6 and verse 47. Whoever comes to me, hears my sayings, and does them. All right, I'm, I'm, think, I'm thinking we're talking follower here. Whoever comes to me, hears my sayings, and does them. That's a follower. He says, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house. In the original language, this word can also mean household. He is like a man building a household, or even a family, or a future. He's he's a builder. He's a builder who dug deep. This isn't shallow stuff. This isn't shallow. He dug deep. He dug deep and he laid the foundation on the rock. What is the rock? Hearing and doing the sayings of Jesus. And then it says this, and when the flood arose. This ain't no if. This is when the flood's going to rise. The storm's going to come. The stream's going to beat against the house. It's just this planet. I doubt, I don't think we'll have storms where we're going. But we're going to have them along the way until we get there. And so, and so we read this. Uh, and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house. We're talking a big bad boy storm here. Beating vehemently like with an agenda to tear down. With an agenda to steal and kill and destroy. We're talking about a bad beating on this house but could not shake it, could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard knows, God, I got it, I got it, but he did nothing. 
is like a man who built his house or his household or his family or his future on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin, the ruin of that house, household, family, future, the ruin was great. Here's what I know for sure about storms. Storms are scary. They're no joke. They are threatening. And they are frightening. And storms can leave ruin and wreckage in their wake. I also know this about storms. They're unpredictable. And they are inevitable. Jesus said in John 16 and verse 33, in the world, on the earth, here in the, on the planet, in the world, you will have tribulation. Now, this word tribulation in the Greek literally means pressure. Pressure. And it's interesting that storms are caused when a center of low pressure develops with the system of high pressure surrounding it. Pressure. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have these low system, high system pressures, which cause storms. But he says, take heart. In the world, you will have pressure. But take heart. Here again, the Greek word literally means take courage. Take courage is what this means. As a matter of fact, the Good News Bible translates it this way. But be brave. But be brave. We're talking fearless. We're talking about creating a courage culture. And today I'm talking about even courage in the midst of a storm. And basically what Jesus says is in the world, pressure causes storms. But take courage. Be brave. I've defeated the world. Now storms can come totally unexpected. You know, literally out of the blue. I mean, that, I think that's what that phrase means, out of the blue. So out of a blue sky, one moment, a storm can just be there. And we see a real example of this in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 23. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, out of the blue, with Jesus right there in the boat, on their way to the mission, a good day, started out with the sun shining. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting. How many know in a storm, you got to shout? Because storms are so loud, they're so no, you can hardly hear. So the, they, they wake, the disciples wake Jesus up shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responded, why? Why are you so afraid? You have so little faith. And then he got up, rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. Whereas a moment ago, suddenly there was a great storm. And now suddenly there's a great calm. 
And the disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. Now, we see several things in this storm, and I think maybe we could say in storms in general. First off, this storm was sudden. You know, uh, seven weeks ago, I had the privilege of hiking the uh, Tour de Mont Blanc in France, Italy, and Switzerland with my daughter and her husband. And on the second day, it goes over nine summits there in the Alps into those three beautiful places. It's one of the most beautiful hikes in the world. We call it brutiful because it's so steep and, and beautiful. But on the second day, we were walking in this beautiful second day of the hike in shorts and t-shirts. It was wonderful. And then we got, as we climbed higher, we, we came across a glacier, and we had to go across it on, uh, with, with, our, with our poles. And it was just amazing. And all of a sudden, the, the sky got really dark. And the wind began to blow. And it happened so fast. And the rain began to fall with about a 60 or a 70 kilometer an hour wind. So much so that below us, they said boulders the size of cars were rolling. They, had, they stopped people from going, but we were right now at the summit. And, 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 and my, the wind, I couldn't even see. My hat was pushed over my face. And I, and I wasn't dressed for it. It had happened so fast. And because I was walking so slow, I was like the last one to get to the summit. And I, it was just miserable cold and freezing and wind. And when I got to the summit, I couldn't see anybody. There was nobody there. And I'm thinking, what's going on? And I looked just off to the right, about 20 meters. And there was a little like two by two mountain hut. And inside the mountain hut were about eight or nine people, as bundled up as they could be. But on the outside of that mountain hut was about 25 people trying to at least block the wind. We couldn't block the rain. We couldn't block the cold. It was just miserable. It was just freezing. It was sleet and, and, and miserable. To this day, seven weeks later, I still have no feeling in the tips of my fingers. Storms can be sudden. And that's what happened here. And they can be strong or severe or on that day, savage. We also see that the storm was sinking the boat. We see also that the storm was sinister. We know it was sinister because Jesus stood up and rebuked it. We see that the storm was scary. And the first words out of Jesus Mouth was, why are you afraid? The storm showed the shallow faith of the disciples. But the storm also showed the splendor and strength of the Savior. So the storms in our life can be sudden. They can be savage. They can be scary. They can feel like we're sinking. They can also reveal how shallow or only if maybe my faith is. But also many times in storms we see the splendor and the majesty of God. Jesus tells us, take courage. How many reckon that's maybe a little easier said than done? How do we do that? 
How do we take courage when my boat or my life or my family or my finances or my health or my marriage is filling up with water? Jesus not only rebuked the wind and the waves, he rebuked the disbelief and the distrust of the disciples. As a matter of fact, he rebuked that first. So how do I face the fury of a storm without fear? And how could Jesus be asleep in the storm? They were afraid and he was asleep. They were in panic. He was in peace. They were clamorous. He was calm. They thought they had no future. He thought they had no faith. How do I prevent the storm around me from becoming the storm within me? And that was the difference between Jesus in the boat and the disciples in the boat. How do I anchor my soul while my ship is being tossed to and fro. Is it possible to have peace in my heart when there is a storm in my boat? I want to show you how to take courage in a storm. You need to have a storm strategy in your life because storms come. I'm going to say this again. You need to have a storm strategy because storms come. A lot of my family in the United States have lived or or used to live in Oklahoma. That middle part, that Midwestern part of the United States is also known as Tornado Alley. Storms come through there. They come through there. But most of the people that live there have a storm strategy, at least in the form of a storm cellar. You buy a home there in the Midwest, and most of those homes come with a storm cellar, which is part of a strategy for the storm, to ride out the storm. And even if the roof and the walls get blown off, you and your family will be safe. Hikers carry In their kit, if they're on a trek or a long-distance hike, they have kind of a storm strategy there in that kit. They have wet weather gear. They 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 can cover their pack to keep things from getting wet. And most of that stuff is in a pretty reachable place. You have to have a storm strategy because storms are going to come. And I got to tell you, when I'm hiking and I get hit by a storm, I never take it personal. I'm just on the mountain. And storms come. And mountains can create their own weather system. And I don't feel like, oh, oh, this mountain's against me. How stupid would that be? No, the mountain is having a storm and I'm in it. And I need a strategy for it. And instead of asking, why is there a storm? I need to ask, what is my storm strategy? And instead of fear in a storm, I need to fall back 
on my training. I need to fall back on my knowledge. I need to fall back on my storm strategy. If you're a police officer or if you have been uh, in military or, or, or in circumstances or situations where you could find yourself fearful in a moment, one of the best ways to overcome fear as a soldier or an officer or many other things is you fall back on your training. When I was in the military, uh, I'm not quite sure the weapon they use today, but when I was in the military, it was the M16, and it was during the Vietnam era, and that M16 would jam in the mud. It would jam in the rain, and the last thing you need in a firefight is a gun that's just jammed. But no worries. They taught us 10,000 times how to take that gun apart and put it back together blindfolded. You fall back on your training. Or you fear and you panic. Why? But that's where you don't want to be. Because storms are coming. Or they have come already. Or some even right now are in the midst of a storm. So instead of fear in the storm, we need to fall back on our strategy. So I want to show you this in the scripture. One of the in the book of Acts, there's like a whole chapter or two given to a storm. And I'm talking about Acts chapter 7. This is the Apostle Paul and 276 souls on their way to Rome. And this Luke writes this incredible journey. He writes it with such detail that, you know, like, I think I read something the other day, not too long ago, that over 80 things that Luke writes in this, in this, this part of the uh, chapter of Luke can be confirmed today. Locations, geography, weather, uh, it's all still confirmed to this day. It's one of the great Christian apologetics, actually. Dr. Luke knew how to write. So, in Acts chapter 27, here's what happens. This big boat, this big ship, 276 people, the Apostle Paul going to Rome. It says, when the south wind blew softly, aha, that's how it always starts. Supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close. They sailed softly close by Crete. Oh, that sounds like fun. I'd be in on that. I know you would too. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Euroclidon. Now, Euroclidon in other Bible translations is called the Nor'easter. It's famous to this day in that area. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, fearing lest they should run aground on the Sirtis sands. They struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed. That's Bible talk for all hell broke loose. <laughs> because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed. Anyone ever been exceedingly tempest-tossed? I'm sure you have. The next day they lightened the ship. 
On the third day, we, shoot, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us. There it is again. That's Bible talk for you know what. Neither sun, not, neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. No small tempest beat on us. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Except for Paul. Now, what happens here is that Paul has a dream. And an angel comes to him and, and tells Paul, take courage. No one's, no one's going to die on this ship. All 276 are going to be okay. Now, Paul gets this. He knows this. And he tries telling this to the crew, to the sailors, to the guards. But, you know, obviously the storm is not letting up. And so we continue to read. Now, when the 14th night had come, as we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed that there was, they were drawing near some land. So they took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms, about 35 meters. And when they had gone a little further, they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms, about 25 meters. Now here's all of this to get to this one verse. This is where I want to go, and this is how I want to finish our day in a few minutes. Then, fearing, lest we should run aground on the rocks. Watch. They dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. I suggest we do the same. They had a strategy for a storm. They dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for the day to come. And I want to show you in just the next few moments... I want to show you the four anchors I drop in a storm. I want to show you four anchors that anchor my soul while my ship feels like it's coming apart. While I'm praying for morning. While I'm praying for the storm. While I'm praying for this to end in Jesus' name. I want to share with you faith anchors that hold me secure and keep me from giving in to doubt which makes me afraid. James 1.6 says, You must believe and not doubt at all. Whoever doubts is like a wave in the sea that is driven and blown about by the wind. I want you to see four scriptures that secure me in a storm. Four verses that hold me in hope. This is what they'd given up. They'd given up hope. I want to show you four anchors that hold me in hope when all hell assails we read in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. The first anchor I let down in a storm, and it could be marital, financial, relational, a son that's walked away from God, a father that forsook and never returned. It, a storm can be so many different things. But a storm is a storm no matter what has brought it about. And the first anchor I let down in a storm is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you 
nor forsake you. So I can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Let me read it from the New Living Translation. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. I dropped that anchor. I dropped that anchor when the storm is beating against my house. But my favorite translation of this verse of scripture is from the old classical Amplified Bible. And let me read it to you. If we get it up on the screen, look at this. God himself has said, I will not. Everybody say, I will not. God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. That verse anchors my soul. I let this anchor down, and I pray for the storm to pass. I pray for morning to come. The second anchor I let down in a storm is 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. This is what Jesus said. Don't lose heart. Take courage. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outer or outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. Now, compared to the eternal weight of glory of God, every storm, every storm has to be seen in this contrast. In comparison with the great weight of the glory, eternal weight of God, that means that Every storm is a light affliction in comparison, which is but for a moment in comparison, and is working for us a far more and exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This gives me perspective. I drop this anchor in a storm. And I realize storms are temporal and I am eternal. Storms are short-lasting. My life is everlasting. I will outlast every temporal storm because I have eternal life. And it gives me perspective. In the darkest storms, I know he is with me and he will never leave me. And I know that storms eventually end. But my life is never ending and everlasting. You have to have a strategy in a storm. The third anchor I let down in a storm is the very anchor Paul himself used while he was in his last days in prison writing his last letter that he would ever write to the church, actually to Timothy. And Paul, this was the anchor he let down in that dark, damp prison. He said to Timothy, 2 Timothy, this is the last recorded 
letter we have of the Apostle Paul. He said, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know who I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. The New Living Translation says it like this. That is why I'm suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. I know him. I know him. I know him. I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. You know, I may not know what is going on in a storm. It's hard to hear. It's hard to see. It's hard to think. When your hands are numb, it's hard to work. It's hard. Everything's hard in a storm. And I may not know what's going on in a storm, but I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. And finally... The fourth anchor I let down in a storm is Romans 8, 28. For we know that for those who love God, that's you. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, to be honest with you, the only thing I can think of in a storm working together for good is for the storm, darn it, to end. That's good. I can't, I'm not even thinking of anything else good. Just stop. That, that's the good I can think of in a storm personally. But God, but God, he can give beauty for ashes. He can give joy for mourning. He can give praise for heaviness. And I may be brokenhearted in a storm. And I may be confused in a storm. And I may be hurting in a storm, but he can renew. He can revive. He can restore. He can repair. He can refresh. He can restart. He can rebuild. And he can return that which was lost. And he can return that who is lost. The message says it this way. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Well, these are the four anchors that I drop in a storm while I'm praying for morning. These are my faith anchors that secure my soul when my ship is being beaten and battered. He will never ever. I will not, I will not ever leave me or leave you or forsake you. I got that. I hold that. Storms are temporal. I am eternal. I know in whom I have believed and and what I've committed to him. And I know that God is still working all things together for good in his might and his beauty. And then I pray for the morning. So what are the anchors that have held you together in your storms? In your storms and your times of despair, 
despondency, depression? What are the anchors that have held your life together or your marriage or your finances or when your health when you were given such a terrible report? What are the anchors that have held your soul together in storms? Because you must have, you need to have a storm strategy. Paul said this to Timothy in his first letter. Having faith, faith, and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning faith, they've suffered shipwreck. You don't want that to happen to you in a storm. You do not want a storm to shipwreck you. So drop your anchors and pray for morning. Don't let the storm take you out. Don't be an only if follower, but an even if follower. And learn to let down your faith anchors. I would be interested to know what your faith anchors are. Would you stand with me, please, team? We have a Imaginations Church Facebook page. I would be really interested for some of you to go on that page today or tomorrow and just share some of your anchors that have held you. I'm sharing today my anchors. And if you don't have any, I take these. These have held me for over 50 years as a Christian. They're still holding me to this day because storms are still coming, man. What's held you together? What's kept you going? Maybe you'd share those with the church on our Facebook page. The truth is, this morning, some are in a storm right now. Cancer is a storm. Broken relationship, a storm. Finances, business going bankrupt. Storms, storms, storms. Yet Jesus says in the storm, why are you afraid? Now, wasn't that a strange thing for Jesus to ask me in the middle of a storm? Why are you afraid? I'm thinking, can't you see this boat is filling up with water? I'm sure he can see that. And he still asks the question, why are you afraid? How is your faith so little? You know, when you think about it, that, I mean, that's, that, boat, I mean, that storm would have had to kill the Son of God. How many know he wasn't going to die that way? He was going to die that way. He wasn't dying. He wasn't going to drown. He wasn't going to drown. He was in the boat with him. Why are you afraid? Maybe let Jesus ask you this question right now, and you might be in the midst of a real storm. But it's not unloving of Jesus. It's not, you know, not being sensitive to you. It's actually an answer. It's actually a question to help you with your to get to the other side of this storm. Why are you afraid? How is your faith so little? Concerning faith, concerning walking away from faith, many have become shipwrecked. This is the time to hold your faith. So get your faith anchors out. Get your faith anchors. Start dropping them. You may say, I have more than four. Well, drop them, baby. Keep that thing steady until the storm passes over. Lock it in. Lock it in, Eddie. Lock it in. Let me pray for you. Maybe even this morning online, someone's watching. You're going through a storm. Maybe you've just come out of a storm. 
Or it could be that a nice, sunny, soft day suddenly becomes a storm. Father, your word breathes life into us. And as a follower of Christ, I am not going to spend my life asking why, why, why. I'm going to spend my life asking what. What do I do? What do I say? What is my strategy? How will I uh, uh, endure? Lord, these are the questions that will take me to the end of my life. Not a bunch of why because I don't understand questions. Help us, Father, to fall back on our training and to not be afraid. Help us, Father, to become disciples, not just believers. Followers, not just acknowledgers. Build in this church stability. Build in this church resilience. Build in this church strength. Build in this church a last day resilience, Father, that would cause us to shine like we've never shined before. To be bold like we've never been bold before. To be fearless and courageous for our nation for our city, for our family. Bring it upon us, Father, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.